If you have your Bibles, we got Bibles in the back. If you ain't got any, I think we got a couple up here in the front. Colossians, the book of Colossians, we're in chapter 3 tonight. We're slowly but surely and thoughtfully working through the book of Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. So if you got your Bible, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. As you guys, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. 3, 1 through 4. As you guys are turning there, I want to tell you guys about a university in Australia. As you know, when you think of Australia, you think of beauty, you think of kangaroos, you just think of like the, the outback, right? You think of just beautiful creation out there. Well, there's a university called Wollongong. Wollongong University, which is a mouthful. It's like you got marbles in your mouth, Wollongong. Uh, but across the street from Wollongong University is a botanical garden. And if you've been to a botanical garden before, do they have one in Oklahoma City? They do? Okay, I know they had one in St. Louis. They're beautiful, right? There's life everywhere. Everything's nourished. So across the street is this botanical gardens. But they joked and, and said that the Wollongong University was just an extension of the botanical gardens because it was just absolutely beautiful. So you just have this beautiful scenery. So I just want you to imagine the little coffee shops on campus with the flowers, and just imagine a kangaroo jumping through campus, because that probably happens in Australia. But on their tagline, on their university uh, sign as you come in, it says, Wollongong University, find your why here. It says, find your why here. What they were selling, it says, hey, if you come to school here, you're going to find your calling here. You're going to find your why. Why do you live? What's your identity? What are you called to? What... What are the things that are most important to you? Wollongong was saying, hey, this is where you find your why. Now, Wollongong may be a beautiful place, but that's not where you find your why. We find our why in the person of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that tonight, that in everything that we do, in what we live for and how we're even created, we live for Jesus. And what we're going to see tonight in the book of Colossians, Paul is going to tell us about seeking and setting our minds upon Christ, upon who Jesus is, and that's where we find our why. We're going to see that a call to Christ is an all-encompassing life. A call to Christ is an all-encompassing life, and that is the life that he is calling us to. So will you pray with me as we open God's word? God, we thank you for your word that is living and active. I pray that you would speak to, uh, speak to us tonight, Lord, uh, that you would, the, the words of scripture would jump off pierce our hearts and encourage us to seek and set our minds upon you and understand that our entire life is found in you. Our entire life is fueled by you. And I pray that you would encourage us to be faithful and obedient as we walk away through your Holy Spirit. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I have two points for you tonight. The first one is this. Christ changes our pursuit. Christ changes our pursuit. Let's read verses 1 and 2 in Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So Colossians 3, 1 through 2, Christ changes our pursuit. Uh, I worked, I've, I've talked about Canuck many times. I worked at Canuck all four summers in college, and that's where I met my wife, Brittany. And on the third summer, that's when I met 
Brittany and I found out who she was. I knew a little bit about her the summer before, but it was that third summer I heard the beautiful words, Brittany is single, and I thought, those are good words. And as soon as I found that out, I began praying. I said, Lord, this is the one. This is the one I want to date. This is the one I want to marry. I, I want her to be the, the mother to my kids. I know she is the one. All from a sentence that she was single. So I began to pray, and I began to be intentional seeking her out. I began, if we were doing some training at the treetops, at the ropes course at camp, uh, I made sure that I was close to Brittany. I made sure that she saw me and I was there. And it sounds kind of creepy when I say it, but I wanted to make sure that she knew, hey, I'm intentional. I want to know you. I'm right here. And we, it was different, whether it be lifeguard training or the treetops or if we're just shoveling dirt. I, would, I was making sure that I was around trying to talk to Brittany, and people started noticing, and, and Brittany was oblivious, and she's like, oh, I don't, that Dylan guy, I don't want to talk to him. But then eventually, I wore her down, and we went on what they call a morning walk. And if you don't know anything about Canica, morning walks are a huge deal. It's like, oh, they're an item now. They're going on a walk. So we would get up, at, you know, 6 or 6.30, whatever time we got up, and we began to go on a walk, and we walked up, we were at K7, and we walked up to K2, and we are at a picnic bench, and I, we sat down, and I said, Brittany, I'd love to hear your testimony, and she told me her testimony, uh, how she came to faith, and it was through the ministry of Canicuck that she came to know Jesus, and that her brother led her to the Lord, and it was an awesome testimony, and then she asked me my testimony, and then after that, I said, Brittany, I would like to pursue you in the, with the intentions of dating you by the end of the summer. I was very forward, and ladies, you, you were like, what in the world is that? I would have been running for the hills. But I told her that, and guess what? We got married. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. But at the beginning of the story, I began to be intentional. I said, I'm going to seek Brittany Toon out. I'm going to seek her out because I want to date her. I set my mind on it, so everything I was doing was going towards that. Even more than you trying to seek out your crush, me seeking out my crush, we are called to seek Jesus. Verse 1, it says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. Important words to start off here, if then you have been raised with Christ. So obviously we know he's talking to the Colossian Christians, uh, and he's opening up this phrase, qualifying who he's talking to. So he's saying, hey, if you have been raised with Christ. What does that mean? What does it mean to be raised with Christ? It means if you have surrendered your life, repented of your sins, placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you've been raised with Christ because of the finished work on the cross of Jesus, right? So if you've been with, raised with Christ, it means you're a believer, right? You've repented of your sins, you've trusted in Jesus, surrendered your life, and now you are his disciple. That's what it means, but Paul is qualifying who he's speaking to and therefore requiring what is to come right afterwards. So he says, if you have been raised with Christ, so if you are a Christian, he says, listen up. So let me just say that for us. Let's repeat that in here. If you've been raised in Christ, if you're a believer in this room, Paul is speaking directly to you. And what he's about to say, he's calling us to obey. He's calling us to uh, obey and follow what he's got for us. So what's the second part of that, that verse? It says, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. This word seek, right, it's, a, it's pretty self-explanatory, but there's three other words that came up when I was doing a little research on what seek meant. 
and the three words are search, inquire, and desire. So when you think of the word seek, you can think of three words, search, inquire, and desire. And Paul is calling the Colossian Christians to pursue the things that are above, to desire the things above, to be to inquire of the things that, that are above. That's what he's calling them, to seek, to look to the things that are above. And why is he calling them to seek the things that are above? Because it says that's where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. But why are we seeking him? Why is Jesus worthy of our pursuit? Why is Jesus worthy of our desire? Well, he laid it out in chapter 2. If you remember a couple sermons back when we were in Colossians 2, we learned a lot of the things that Jesus has done for us. We, we learned that we were dead in our trespasses, but God made us alive by forgiving us of our sins because of what Christ has done. He canceled the record of debt that stood against us. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them when he resurrected. He died on the cross for our sins that we were guilty of, right? Romans, we, we go through the Romans road. Romans 3.23, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And Romans 6 tells us that that sin earns us death, separation from God. But what does God do? He sends Jesus on our behalf to take our penalty, that death. So we see the beauty of what, what Jesus has done for us. So why in the world would we want to seek anything else? Why would we want to desire, inquire, search for anything else? There's a lot of things to search for in this world, and we're going to get into some of those. But we see this huge, huge push, a huge reason backing of why we seek. It's because of what he's done for us, the salvation that we have found. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, which means his work is finished. He defeated death. He is worthy of our pursuit. He is worthy of our desire. But he's calling us to have this desire to have more of Jesus, to, to learn more from him, to learn more about him, to seek him. He deserves our inquiry. He deserves our ever-searching hearts. But what's important to, to point out here is also this qualifying reason of why we seek. It doesn't say, to begin chapter 3, it doesn't say, hey, if you are in a good mood, seek the things that are above. Hey, if things are going really well with you right now, prosperity, you know, wealth-wise or friend-wise or social media-wise, school-wise, if those things are going well, hey, seek me. No, it, it's not dependent on your circumstance. It's not dependent on your doubt. It's not dependent on your fear. It's not dependent on anxiety or persecution or laziness or apathy. This command is, con is called it to be a continuous seeking, not based on our circumstance, but based on who Jesus is. And it shows us that he is worthy of our pursuit. So our pursuit of him, our seeking of him, is not dependent on our circumstance, but it's dependent on who Jesus is, and Jesus shows himself to be worthy of our pursuit. So it's a command to continue to seek Jesus. Verse 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Not only is there a, a call to seek, but there's a, a call to set our eyes on Jesus. And when I was thinking of a word picture for set, uh, you guys know, get been to the, the professional games or college games where they have the little shuffle game where there's like, whether it's a baseball under a hat, and you have to, they're shuffling around, and you have to guess which one it is, right? O, OU has the Heisman ones because they're flexing on everybody because they got so many Heismans. They pull one up, they come back, and you have to try to guess one at which one at the end is the one that you, you started with. You guys play the, that game before? You guys, 
interact with that? What do you do when you're preparing for that game? You see it comes on the jumbotron. What do you do? Some of you guys are like, okay, i got to wipe my eyes out. i got to get my eyes ready, maybe hold them open, remove all the distractions, say, hey, okay, don't talk to me. I'm about to get this. Right? You're setting your focus on the game. There's nothing else that's going on. Your gaze is on the game. In that same way, Paul is calling us to set our mind, our gaze on Jesus. He wants us to be focused, to, to place our focus on him. We see in Hebrews 12, we, ha- we hear this passage quite a bit. It's a famous passage of scripture. Verses 1 and 2 in, in Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance at the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. At that verse 2, it says, looking to Jesus. We're running our race, looking at, our, looking at Jesus, keeping our, our gaze, our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because, man, it is so easy to get our eyes off Jesus, right? It tells us, not on things that are on earth. Man, I feel like it's really easy and natural for us to fix our eyes on the things that are earthly, that are worldly, right? Am I right? So let's go through a couple of those examples. Material items, whether it be our phone, right? It's so easy to get caught up in our phone and our focus be on our phone. Literally, if you look at screen time, your eyes are <laughs> gazed at your phone for many hours a day. Your clothes, we can fix our gaze and, and set our mind on our clothes that we want to have the, the nicest fit, that we want to have all the clothes and we're, we're buying these expensive clothes so we can impress people. We can get our gaze on technology or cars. Or another one, athletics or academics, right? We want to be the best. So we put all of our time, all of our effort, all of our resources, all of our spare time into those athletics and academics. And that becomes an idol for us. Because we're not focusing on Jesus through the activity, but we're just focusing on the activity as the end of everything. It becomes an idol. Social media, like I was saying, we spend a lot of time seeking mindless entertainment, easy entertainment, scrolling on our phones. How many of you guys are trying to go to bed at night and you're like, okay, well, let me just go through uh, TikTok real quick. Let me go through Twitter real quick. Let me go through Instagram right now. And you start scrolling and you are just scrolling for another hour. Mindless entertainment. We're seeking to be, to be uh, entertained in that moment. I read a book uh, once by Tony Ranke called 12 Ways Your Phone is Transforming You, 12 Ways That Your Phone is Changing You. And it calls our media, it calls our phones as digital adult pacifiers. Because we just want to be mindless entertained. And when there's nothing going on, we just need to be soothed. We just start seeking entertainment on our phone. That's not what Christ is calling us to. That's not what Paul is calling us to. He's calling us to set our eyes on Jesus, not to be entertained in this world, not to be materialistic in this world. He's calling us to fix our eyes on Jesus because when we seek and set our minds on the world, we get distracted and we're left empty. Paul in Colossians 2.19, Colossians 2.19 says this, And not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. That we see when we set our minds on Jesus, who nourishes us, right? We're going to be nourished when we focus on Jesus. When we get into his word, it's going to nourish us. When we focus on the things of this world, we're going to be malnourished. 
we're not going to be nourished because the only nourishment comes through his word. That's where our focus needs to be. So we see that our, our pursuit changes because of Jesus. Our pursuit is not of this world. Our pursuit is him, keeping our eyes fixed on the things that are above. The second point, Christ is our life. Christ is our life. Colossians 3, verses 3 and 4. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Christ is our life. In high school, Christ was not my life. Athletics was my life. I played football, basketball, and baseball. And when football ended, I had three days before basketball season ended. And then I had a, a week or two after basketball ended. And then I was into baseball practice. And then when I got into the summers, I would most likely practice for all three by noon. And I thought this was normal, and I was like, this is my life. I'm, I love sports. I want to keep doing this. So my life was only sports. And I look back now at age 28, and I look back at what my high school, I mean, I wasted so much time on sports. It's so easy for us and the things that we're good at or the things we're interested in for them to become our life. And we begin to identify ourselves by our abilities, whether it be academics or athletics or band, whatever it is, we get so focused on that and that become our life. But we see here in these next couple of verses that that is in fact not our life, that Christ is our life. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. The ESV expository commentary says this on this idea of dying. The only mention of death is found in Colossians 2. And we see that it talks about we are dead in our trespasses. This is a different kind of death. Colossians 2.20 says that with Christ you have died, indicating a death that occurs in union with Christ. This death brings liberation. A destructive relationship has been brought to an end through death, and that death has brought freedom from which once held the believer captive. So we're dead in our trespasses, but when we give our life to Jesus, we die to our old self, but we are raised to new life with him. We now have this union with, with Jesus because he is the one that has raised us up. So it's important for us to understand that. I mean, he is the reason we are alive. He deserves our desire. He deserves our pursuit. He deserves our life. And we see here, uh, the end of verse 3 says, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is stretches our capacity for understanding because it's like, what in the world does it mean that our life is hidden with God? Like, what is that? Are we like inside Jesus and no one can see us? What does that mean? It means that, he protects us, right? We know scripture tells us that no one can pluck us out of the hand of God. And, and Psalm, Psalm 27, it talks about a resting place, a refuge to be within God. That we are secure. Because the things when you seek and set your mind on things of this world, you are not secure. You are setting yourself up for failure. But when you seek and set your life in Jesus, that you trust in him, he will not fail you. He will not let you go. He will not let you fall to the wayside. Once you are in Jesus, you are forever in Jesus. When you trust Christ with your life, it is secure. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, this is absolutely critical for us to understand. Christ is your life. Everything. He is your life, just as your life is hidden in Christ, 
Christ is your life. Sam Storm says this. What does it mean to say that Christ is our life, right? That's kind of just a heady, like, what does that even mean? He says, certainly it must be said that apart from him, I have no life. Life both physically and spiritually finds its source in him and is sustained by him. If you'll turn just back a page to Colossians 1. If you'll turn to Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17. God's word says this. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. And we're talking of Jesus here. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So we see that Jesus, all things are created through Jesus. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. So when we say Christ is our life, we can literally say it's our, both our physical life and our spiritual life. That all thing, all, through all things is through Christ that it, they are created. So both physically, he sustains us, right? At any point, he can just say, done, and we're all dead. He sustains our life. He sustains this world. But we also attribute our life to him spiritually because without him, right, we see in Colossians that we're dead in our trespasses, that we're dead without him. We're children of wrath. But he makes us alive. So we attribute our life both to him physically and spiritually, which just continues for our reason to worship him, to hold him high in our life. Every aspect of who we are must be wrapped up in Christ. That's why it's so important for you to seek and set your mind on him, because he is your life. Your job is not your life. Your family is not your life. Your school is not your life. Your activities are not your life. Your stuco is not your life. Your athletics is not your life. Your band is not your life. What you do is not who you are. What you do is a platform to live for Christ. He has gifted you in different areas for you to live for Christ and not for you to make that activity who you are. If Jesus is your life, it does not mean that you, your schedule will always be less busy. But what it does mean is that you are sharing Jesus within your schedule within your school, within your activities, within what you're involved in. When Christ is your life and you seek and set your mind upon him, everything you do is an avenue to share Jesus. And we saw this on the mission trips, right? We were paying for people's parking. Y'all were traveling from Chicago to, to Illinois or to, to Oklahoma City and, and flight delays, which opened up more and more opportunities for you to share the gospel because you were just living life. That's what we were called to do. Our lives are meant to radiate Christ, how we interact with others, how we interact with our family, the businesses we go into, the fast food restaurant, restaurants. There's stories of kids uh, this past week that went into just a, a, a little grocery store, looked at the clerk and said, hey, how can I pray for you? And that lady broke down. And it was a simple question within the rhythm of what he was already doing for the Lord to use that. What you do is not your life. It's a platform, it's an avenue for you to live your life, which is found in Christ. If Christ is our life, do our friends know? Do your friends know that you're a believer? Do your friends know that you seek and set your mind upon Jesus, that he is integral to who you are? Typically, when we're consumed with something, when we desire something, that we're inquiring about something, we are letting everyone else know about that. Can that be said the same for you? As a believer, do your friends know that you love Jesus and that you want to share that with them? In closing, oh, I'm 
speak to the two people in this room, people that know Jesus and people that don't know Jesus. If you have been raised with Christ, that you are a believer, have you lost your why? We look back. What is your why? Have you lost it? Have you got inundated with the world and distracted by the pursuit of the temporal? Paul is calling you to seek and set your eyes on Christ. He is reminding you that your pursuits should be wrapped up in who Christ is, that your pursuits should involve Christ in everything that you do. Seek and set your mind on his word each day, on time with him alone each day. Who are you held accountable to? Who are you reading God's word with? Who are you sharing? Who are the people that you're sharing on a weekly basis? That is what he's calling us to do. And it's not out of legalism. It's because he is worthy of our worship we see in Scripture. And he saves us and he has saved you. If you're a believer, you know that. So our life is conformed to that and the Spirit works through that. Have you lost your why? Do you need to be reminded of your why? Look to Colossians 2 if you need to be reminded. And as we worship, utilize that time to get with a brother or sister and, and confess or talk or encourage one another. But if you have not been raised with Christ, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then I want to ask you, what are you seeking in this world? What are you seeking? Is it materials? Is it technology? Is it fame? Is it popularity? Take a moment and think what that is. And then I want you to answer this question. What has that gained you? How's that going for you? Because I promise you, when you pursue this world and your why is something that is found in this world, it will leave you empty. It will fail you. Because we all have this desire to seek and set. That's why Paul is making sure we're seeking and setting our mind on the right thing. We all have this something in our hearts that's wanting to seek something. And that something is Jesus. Some of us just don't know that yet. So if you don't know Jesus... Scripture tells us if you ask, seek, and knock, he will answer. Scripture says if you repent of the sin that you've committed, which commits you to hell, if you repent of that and trust in Jesus who died for your sin, who resurrected, who's seated at the right hand of the Father, who is worthy of your worship, who saves you, if you place your faith and trust in him, he is faithful to save you. So you can have a relationship with Jesus right now. You can have fulfillment right now because we know that John 10.10 says that Jesus came to give life and life abundant. That we get life eternity, and in eternity here where it says, when Christ, you will also appear with him in glory. We get that, but we also get that now because we have the spirit of God living inside of us. So as the band comes up and as I pray, I want you to move around this room. I want you to utilize this time. We're going to sing several songs. And it's time for you to get your heart right with the Lord. If you've lost your why, ask the Lord to remind you. Read scripture during this time. It's okay to sit down. And if you don't know Jesus, we want to talk with you. Grab your buddy that you came with. Grab that person you're, you come with every week. Find one of us in the back. We want to pray with you. We want to, to, to ask and help you get to a relationship with Jesus. So let's pray. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Uh, we know that it is the one that does work. We know it is the one that pierces hearts, transforms hearts. And God, I pray that those that are feeling that tug, that they would be receptive to it, that they would be obedient to it, that they would react and respond to it. And Lord, for those that do know you tonight, I pray that they would know their why, that they would know why they live the way they live, how they utilize the avenues you've given them for you. And I pray that they would do that as a group, as buddies, 
that live for you on mission together. Because we know that when you call us, it's an all-encompassing life. It's an all-encompassing call to follow you. We thank you that you empower us through the Spirit for that. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.